Welcome to Connect Church. We're a new church in the East Windsor Heightstown area, and we're a church that is looking to connect to Jesus and community. We're so glad you've joined us. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Connect Church. My name is Frank. I'm the pastor here. We're so glad that you are with us today for the service. The heart of our church is to connect to Jesus and the community here. And so again, we would love if you would fill out a connect card today. Let us know you're here in the chat. Uh, again, we want to get to know all of you and just be able to, to bring you into the community here at Connect Church, that we would just grow and love Jesus well together. Today, we're kicking off a new series um, called also known as name changes in the Bible. Um, when we decide to follow Jesus, he begins to work in our lives. He begins to redeem parts of our, our life that maybe we thought uh, weren't able to be fixed or, or areas of our life that we may have struggled with for a long time. We believe that the power of the gospel brings life to those areas. For the next few weeks, we're going to take a look at some of these transformations that have come uh, out of people's lives in the Bible, but specifically where their names have changed because of that transformation. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but there are parts of my life that I wish that I could change. There are parts of my life that are, are still sinful and broken, and, and as I look at them, I, I need God and the power of the cross to come and to bring life to those areas. Currently for me, again, it's just how much I worry about things. Am I doing a good job? <laughs> Am I leading Connect Church uh, to a place of, of health and where people are truly growing and learning more of who God is? I worry, do people like me? <laughs> uh, do they wanna be around me? Do they enjoy me? Do they think I'm a good pastor? And then the last one, this one is new, is will I be a good dad? In November, we'll be welcoming our first child to the family, and I worry. Am I going to be a good dad? How am I going to balance the new responsibilities that I have as a dad while also being the pastor of a church? But I know reading scripture that I should trust God. The passage that if he cares for the birds and the animals, how much more will he care for me? And I also know in Proverbs, this is, this is my favorite verse because of my wrestling with this, is trust in the Lord with all your strength and don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will and he will show you which path to take. See, I know all of this is true, but it's hard. I still worry. I, I still work like I control my life, like I have the power and I need to learn to continue to release that to God. Give God control trust that, that what he is doing is best for my life. And so today, for you watching, maybe there are parts of your life that you wish you could change. Maybe it's a generational thing in your family that's just been passed down um, from one generation to the next. It's an addiction, a habit, maybe just the way that, that you respond and talk to people, but you feel like this has to be you because it's been that way for a long time. Maybe it's a pattern or, or a sin or an addiction that you get, you get stuck in and you think, there is no way I'm ever breaking this. I'm stuck to, to be this person the rest of my life. Maybe it's an attitude that you wish that you could change. You wish you could stop just being so angry and so short with the people that you love. Maybe it's something that you thought you had moved on from, that you had given up. And then slowly it's crept back into your life. And so in your head, you think I'm stuck to be this person forever. See, today know this, 
we don't have to stay the same. Every time we encounter God, we have the ability to change. And, and I'm not just talking like small, uh, like minor changes. Those are important at times too. But I'm talking the big things in our life that feel impossible. God can transform. How do I know that? Well, one of my favorite stories in the Bible that we're going to take a look at today of a man named Saul, whose life was literally turned in a 180 from where he was to where he ended up. But not only that, we see God's redemptive work through all of the, the pain and struggle in the way that he used to be. And so with that, today we're going to start in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, which says this, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose to the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by hand and brought him into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Here we're introduced to the man named Saul. He is a Hebrew man persecuting Christians. Uh, again, as a Jew, this, this was a, a scary time for them because they heard of this Messiah who came, which felt like promise to them that they were finally going to be set free. And, and, and the scriptures that had pointed to a Messiah uh, coming, some started to believe that Jesus was that man. And so there's a lot of tension around Jesus and if this is true or not. And so Saul, as, as a Jewish man, wanted to get rid of anyone who believed in Jesus because it threatened his own worldview of who God was. Now here in Acts 9, before the last time we saw him was in Acts chapter 8, and he's wreaking havoc on the church. He's entering every house and dragging off men and women and putting them in prison. He even gives permission for some followers of Jesus to be stoned and to be executed for their beliefs. And now he's so zealous and passionate about this that he hears that there is a group of these Christians, these followers of Jesus, spreading in Damascus. Now hear this, Damascus, from where Saul was, was 130 miles or a six-day journey. But Paul, or Saul decided it was worth it to go here. He is committed to the cause. He, he's not just... Uh, a casual in prisoner, but he is really giving everything that he has to this because he hates the disciples of Jesus. He did his persecuting work under the direct approval of the high religious authorities at the time. And the crazy part about this is he asked and he received letters from the high priest authorizing his mission. He would write letters to them and they would write back. And, and if you know anything about Saul and how he becomes Paul and writes a lot of the New Testament, we see that God even redeems his ability to write. 
Here he refers to following Jesus as the way. This is the earliest name for the Christian movement. It's used five times in Acts, but in calling it the way, it's significant because it means that Christianity is more than just a belief or a set of opinions or doctrine. See, following Jesus is a way of life. And so it was called the way because when we give our lives to Jesus, it literally changes everything about us. The, the way that we talk, the way that we behave, the way that we love others, it all changes. And so because of that, they called it the way. And because the way was so radical, there was such dramatic life change in people as they submitted themselves to Jesus, it spread like crazy. The gospel was rapidly spreading. And so it's significant to see there's a Christian community large enough in Damascus that Saul felt it was necessary to be concerned about. He needed to go there and do something about it. Again, the way was spreading everywhere. The, the transformation and the life change that happened as people submitted their lives to Jesus. And again, today, that's the power that we're talking about. When, when we come to follow Jesus, it isn't just something that we believe and it isn't just something we learn about, although we do. It's a way of life. It changes everything about us. So he's on his way to Damascus to imprison Christians there. And then he encounters God. And in that moment, everything changes. See, the crazy part about this is Saul knows exactly who's speaking to him in that moment. It's Jesus. And the reason for that is, is because in all probability, Saul most likely heard Jesus while he taught in Jerusalem. Saul was part of the high up religious leaders, the ones who wanted Jesus to die. And so he probably along the way heard Jesus teaching. He heard uh, the things that made the religious leaders upset that they thought that Jesus was a blasphemer. He was part of that group. But here he recognizes the voice of Jesus and knows it's him. And this is also cool because this is another example of Jesus being alive after his death. And the reason that that's important, again, is because the resurrection of Jesus is everything. The, the death and the resurrection of Jesus is the gospel. It's why we have hope. It's why we have purpose. It's why we have forgiveness. It's why we are right with God. In this moment, Saul responds with two of the most important questions that anyone can ask. When it comes to following Jesus, the first one is, who are you, Lord? We need to ask this question with a humble heart, one where we are genuinely seeking to understand who God is. Because when we do that, I, I wholeheartedly believe when we come and we ask that question, humble and, and looking to learn, God answers it every time. And here Jesus shows exactly who he is. So much so that Paul spends the rest of his life wanting to know the answer more and more to this question of who Jesus is. In that moment, he has an experience where he knows Jesus. But Paul also knew that there is so much more to know about God and to learn than just that one moment. It's a lifelong process. In fact, in Philippians 3, he says it this way, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him 
sharing in his death so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Who are you, Lord? The second question he asks that's important is, what do you want me to do? See, once we begin a relationship with Jesus, again, it's, it's the way. It, it comes out of our hearts and out of our lives. And so, God, if I believe that you're true, what do you want me to do? I think few of us really genuinely ask God this question. Because I think we know that when we do, God is going to move and push us to areas of our lives that may be uncomfortable. Again, we need to do it with a heart of submission and obedience. And the crazy thing about this is, is that Jesus really only told Saul what was needed in this moment. Continue the journey to Damascus. He didn't tell him the, the long-term plan. Hey, Saul, one day you are going to become an incredible missionary. You're going to plant churches. You're going to write a lot of the New Testament that, that generations of followers of the way are going to read. He didn't tell him all that. And, and again, we talk about the, the will of God this way a lot here at Connect Church, but it's simply being obedient in the next step. If I abide, if I spend time with Jesus and I'm obedient, I will be exactly where God wants me to be. We see what this transformation looks like in Acts 9 and later on in verse 19, which says, For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and he immediately proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. People here are genuinely amazed at Saul's conversion. It was hard to believe how radically his life had changed. He set out to Damascus to imprison Christians, and instead he shows up proclaiming that Jesus is the Son of God. But Saul's early work for God, so soon after his conversion, it shouldn't surprise us. See, oftentimes that's when we're most hungry for God. That's when we're most hungry to want to share the radical change that has happened in our hearts, to tell others about the grace and the mercy of Jesus is when it first happens. And so for some of us watching today who may have followed Jesus for a long time, I think sometimes we don't appreciate the work that God has really done in our hearts and in our lives. And so today, don't forget what God has done. It's a story of, of the God who changes everything in our hearts and in our lives. Share it. Talk about it. Do something with it. What did the transformation in Saul look like? It looked like this. See, even after Saul became a Christian, he remembered his days as a persecutor. In Philippians 3, he talks about this when he says he was circumcised on the eighth day. He was the of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He, concerning the law, he was a Pharisee. He knew the law uh, about the best that you could at that day. In regard to zeal, he was so passionate, he was persecuting people. And so this is important because, see, Saul knew the law, he knew a knowledge of God, and he was passionate, but he still missed 
Jesus. And today that is so crucial and important to us. See, it often comes down to knowledge versus desire. We may know all of these things that are true about God, but if our heart doesn't align, we're missing it. See, because if our heart doesn't align, our desires won't line up and we won't do the things that God calls us to do. Those things that we talk about, of how we want to, to change certain areas of our lives. See, if our heart doesn't follow our knowledge of Jesus, we'll never be able to. Because the reality of it is, is that we just aren't good enough to change on our own. We need the gospel. We need the power of Jesus to come and to change us. And as he does that, our desires fall in line with his. So now the name change that we've been talking about, Saul becomes Paul. But see, the crazy part is it's, it's not like many of us think. See, God doesn't change Saul's name to Paul at conversion. See, Saul actually changes it on his own. But now don't be discouraged by that because I think it's actually an even more important and incredible picture of the change in Saul's life. See, this is why Saul was a Hebrew name. And he was most likely named after King Saul from the Old Testament. And they both came from the same tribe of Benjamin. So that's where the lineage of Saul comes from. But then Paul. See, Paul was a Greco-Roman name. And it's actually the same name as Saul. But the reason that he changed it to Paul was that it helped him reach the people on his missionary journey. See, adopting his Roman name, it helped him to fit into the culture that he was trying to reach. By changing his name to the, to the Greco-Roman name, he fit in. He could say, hey, I am one of you, but come and follow Jesus the way that I do. He approached them in a language and in a style in which they could relate to. He put aside part, part of who he was for the sake of reaching people for the gospel. And I think today that's such an incredible picture in, in us as a church in, in showing who Jesus is. Sometimes we hold tightly to identities and parts of who we are that get in the way of us sharing the gospel. See, Paul believed in this so wholeheartedly that he just embraced who he was and changed his name so that people could come to know Jesus. We see the 180 degree change in the life of Paul. He went from persecuting people who followed Jesus to changing his name so that people would come to know Jesus through him. It's an incredible change. When God intervenes in our lives, everything can change. But not just our name, the very deepest parts of who we are. Again, things that we think we are stuck doing forever. We don't have to stay there. The power of the gospel, Jesus' death and resurrection is greater than all of those things. See, when we follow Jesus, it changes the mission of why we exist. It changes our identity. All of the things that we want to put first, and in our modern context, it may be political beliefs, it may be 
um, just thoughts on race and, and all of the different things that we use to identify ourselves right now, we put those aside and the main identity that we put on is child of God. Our lives are no longer our own. And anything that may be in the way of us presenting who Jesus is and, and the work that he's done in our hearts, we put it aside so that Jesus would be seen in us. God brought incredible redemption to the life of Paul. Again, a man who wrote letters plotting to kill and traveled long journeys to see it through, wrote letters that make up most of our New Testament, and traveled the same way, but instead of persecuting, he planted churches all around. Today, that same power that completely changed the life of Saul can work in your, in your life as well. Whatever you may have in your life today as you're watching this, that, that you are frustrated by, that you feel stuck in, that you feel like there may be no hope in today, with the power of Jesus, there is hope. If Saul, again, could become Paul and we see the change that that brought, the same thing is true for you today. Don't give up hope. Don't feel like you're stuck. The power of the gospel changes everything. Today, if you're watching, and maybe you've never made the decision to follow God before. And honestly, maybe you're not even looking for God. Maybe you stumbled across this. And maybe you, don't, you didn't even mean to watch it. Today, God is looking for you. You may be traveling around, living life for yourself, but this may be your moment where God reveals himself to you. Don't rush past it. The areas of your life that you are ashamed of, that you think bring no hope, that you continue to feel guilt for today, God can transform them. He can bring life to them. He brings forgiveness. Why? Because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, the power of the gospel changes everything. It did in the life of Saul, it did in my life, and it can in yours too. You may think that there is no way that God can love you because of who you are and what you've done. Honestly, I don't think you could do anything worse than kill and imprison followers of Jesus. And that didn't discredit Saul from becoming Paul, who planted churches and revolutionized the world at that time and lives today when we read his letters. You are not too far gone. God can work in your life. All it takes is for us to say, God, I need you. I trust in the work that Jesus did on the cross in his death and in his resurrection. And today, I want you to come and to work in my heart and in my life. And today, if you make that decision, there's a link for you to click that says, I've decided to follow Jesus. Please click that and help us be able to walk you through this journey. Again, it wasn't just a one-time thing for Saul, but we see he got connected to people after that who discipled him, who taught him, who loved him, who helped him understand the way of Jesus. Today, as you make that decision, we want to be those people in your life as well. For those of you who do follow Jesus today, what story does God want to write in your life? Again, maybe it's an area that you've given up on, that you felt like you could never change today. God can redeem it. And as we change, 
we are, it gives us a platform to be the voice of who Jesus is to the world around us. And then today, I also want to encourage you to ask these questions. Lord, who are you? Maybe you've followed Jesus for a long time, but still, who is Jesus to you today? Is he your savior? Is he someone you go to when you need to, when you need to get out of jail in a sense? Is he someone that you go to only when you're facing something difficult? Or is he the one that we truly believe is the son of God? Because those are very different ways of viewing God. And then what do you want me to do? See, again, when God works in our lives, when we have moments of transformation, it's so that the glory of God would be seen in our lives. And today, what do you want me to do? Maybe it looks like this. If God has restored your marriage, be a light for those who may be struggling. If God has been faithful in the way that you have raised your kids to follow Jesus, teach others. If God has broken an addiction or a habit in your life, help others. If God has provided for you in miraculous ways, be generous. If God has helped you through times of mental illness, be a voice of hope to others. Again, what do you want me to do, God? And, and the truth of it is, a lot of times the answer to that question comes from what God has redeemed us from. Paul completely owned his new identity in Christ. So much so, he completely changed his life, even his name, so that people would come to know God through him. Nothing else mattered to him when he realized the beauty of Christ. This new identity changed every part of him today. What part of us, again, do we still hold on to greater than Christ? Do we love more than Jesus? Would we lay those aside? Would we embrace our identity in Christ more than anything else? And as we do, would Christ be seen in our lives? Today, let's close in prayer. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your death and for your resurrection, God, that in that we have the power to overcome, God, the things in our lives that we feel like we can never change, that we are stuck in. God, you bring redemption and healing and freedom in those moments. God, today, would you just do that work in everyone watching? God, I pray that you would just set people free, that you would forgive, that you would transform, that you would work, that you would move. And God, as you do, would we be quick to share your glory, who you are, to the people that we come in contact with. Again, we thank you for who you are today. And you're not praying. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this encourages you to take your next steps in your faith journey with God. You can check us out more on connectchurchnj.com. Have a great day.